This episode of Spawn is brought to you by Prodigy. Prodigy is an online math platform loved by more than 50 million first to eighth grade students, including fifth graders like Margot, you just heard, and 1.5 million teachers worldwide. With their premium membership, they get extra features and fun rewards like exclusive pet characters, gear, and accessories that will give your child more incentive to play, keep them engaged with math practice, and motivate them to learn more. If you're not familiar with Prodigy, this game takes kids like me through a fantasy world full of epic battles and adventures where success involves answering math questions. Prodigy is adaptive and personalized, automatically tailoring math content to your child's specific needs, and parents can track their learning as well as motivate them by setting goals and sending rewards. And students who have premium memberships often spend more time in the game. Kids will play more often at home, which leads to more questions answered and more math skills mastered. And with monthly, yearly, and even family memberships, you can find the premium membership that works for your family. Check out the Prodigy Premium Memberships page to find out how you can level up math learning and unlock your child's full potential. Visit prodigygame.com slash spawned. That's prodigygame.com slash spawned to learn more. Hey everyone, this is Kristen. You know, the holidays are here, so Liz and I thought it would be fun to share some of our favorite episodes of 2019. So whether you've heard this one or it's brand new to you, trust us when we say this was one of our all-time favorites. It was so meaningful and so powerful. In fact, we heard from a lot of you that it was one of your favorites too. So we hope you love it, and we hope it speaks to you as much as it did to us. Welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPics.com, and I'm flying semi-solo tonight while my partner in crime and podcasting Kristen is out today. But I'm going to be chatting with an amazing guest, Dr. Ken Ginsberg, and we are going to be chatting about teens, how to like your teen, how to effectively discipline your teen, what it means to be pro-teenager. Are you sensing a theme here? In fact... If you are part of our new Spawned Facebook group, you are a member, right? Just look for us on Facebook, Spawned Podcast Group. We've had quite a few listeners ask for some topics about older kids. And Ken is going to be of huge interest to those of you who have teens, who have former teens, or who have kids who will be teens one day. So I would hope that includes most of you. And of course, we'll close out our show with our cool picks of the week. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Ken because he is amazing. Dr. Ken Ginsberg is a pediatrician specializing in adolescent medicine at the Center for Parent and Teen Communications at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. He's an expert on helping parents build resilience and achieve stronger connections with their teens and tweens so they can have healthier family relationships and so that we can guide our older kids to be their best selves. His most recent books include Raising Kids to Thrive, Balancing Love with Expectations and Protections with Trust, and a professional toolkit called Reaching Teens, Strength-Based Communication Strategies to Build Resilience and support healthy adolescent development, both published by the AAP. Don't worry, we will link to these on our podcast page. You do not have to like rewind four times and write down those titles. We'll link them up for you. Dr. Ginsburg's also working with Covenant House International, which is a 
amazing, to develop and disseminate a practice model that reinforces their mission statement to serve young people with absolute respect and unconditional love. And you may have even seen him on networks like CNN, The Today Show, Good Morning America, CBS Morning Show, a zillion nighttime shows, radio shows, and now, of course, Spawned. But what I really love about his mission is that Ken wants to reframe adolescence so it's not something we dread and help us as a society to understand the incredible development and promise of adolescence and even, maybe, one day, cherish teen milestones the same way we cherish baby steps. Isn't that awesome? Welcome, Ken. Thank you so much. And I'm just going to shout out and give you an amen for that because your summary of what we need to accomplish to make it so that our kids are going to thrive was spot on. Thank you. Well, I'm so excited. I mean, on a personal level, I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old who will one day be a 13-year-old. And Kristen has a teen and a couple of tweens as well. And so this is very near and dear to our hearts as much as we like talking about the baby stuff. I think a lot of people are kind of panicked about the idea of teens. I mean, I've even heard people say to me, I don't want to have kids because one day they will be teens. And I've always said, well, don't worry, you don't give birth to a teen. <laughs> like you have a few years to work your way up to that. So I'm wondering like how you decided to get involved specifically with older kids, which is so intimidating to so many people. I actually think that the teen years are an incredibly exciting time in life. And you know, what you're experiencing, that dread of teenagers, we reinforce and we create that dread. So here's what's going to happen, Liz. You know, you said you had a 13-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to be standing in line one day at the grocery store and your daughter or your son's going to be putting their head on your shoulder and you're just going to be having this wonderful parenting moment. And then the mother of the 15-year-old is going to look back at you and say, get those hugs while you can. She's going to become a monster you may not recognize and won't even like. Yeah, it's true. Right? That is so true. I mean, I've even joked that when my daughter was little, I made her sign a contract with me that when she was 13, she wasn't allowed to slam the door and say, I hate you. <laughs> Which she did. But, but that, that thing, <laughs> the way we roll our eyes with teenagers, the way we prepare for adolescence as if it's a time to be dreaded, the fact that right now, and oh my gosh, we're trying to change this, but right now, if you Google, how do I talk to my kid? The word that's most likely to come up is survival. This is poison. Wow. It's poison because your child is about to enter this incredible moment where they're going to be changing and where they're going to be figuring out who they are. Remember, they're fundamental question is, who am I? And what is going to get them through this period of time is having someone completely stable in their life who sees them the way they deserve to be seen in all of their goodness and all of their curiosity and celebrates that. And if instead they have a sense when they're tweens that their mother and their father dread their development and are going to react to their every mood in a way that's negative and undermining, we are actually shutting down the most protective force in young people's lives. The most protective force in their lives is parents who believe in them without condition, who see them as they deserve to be seen, and who always will stand by them, even if your teen walks out the room and slams the door. Wow, I'm like emotional. That's really powerful thinking. That's amazing. You know, 
the right word is amazing. We are launching our kids into adulthood. And when we do that, we have to launch them in a way that makes them understand that we think they're perfect just the way they are. I think that's wonderful. And I mean, my kids are 11 and 13, so they're not in full-fledged middle teendom. But I have to admit, I love this phase. I was not a great mom of babies and toddlers. Like, once my kids got old enough to do stuff with me that was fun and we could talk and reason and analyze movies, like, I've really enjoyed parenting. I admit, though, that there are some challenges that come with teens. And so I would love to hear your take on some of the biggest questions that you get from parents of teenagers. I'd love to talk about the challenges, right? Because as much as I find teenagers inspirational and as much as we're talking about celebrating adolescence, I'm not blind to these challenges, right? If I was blind to these challenges and just pretending that this was all going to be like a bowl of cherries, nobody would listen to me. <laughs> but let's talk about these challenges, right? You know, I know a lot of parents ask you, like, why is my teen pushing me away? Let's start there. Here's the one-line answer, and then let's dive deep. The one-line answer is because they love you so much it hurts. And Liz, if you know that, and if you believe that to your inner core, you can get through anything. A slam door will mean nothing to you. A rolled eyes will mean nothing to you. Your daughter being embarrassed by the way you breathe will be nothing to you except for a compliment that it really is. Here's what's happening. You raise your child in this very, very comfortable nest. You give them everything they need, and they just know that all they have to do is chirp and they get the worms, right? And then puberty strikes. And what happens is children then understand, hey, I'm going to have to fly away from this nest. And suddenly you look back at the nest and instead of like just seeing it as warm and fluffy, you begin seeing it as prickly. You look at the birds that are bringing you those big juicy worms and you become embarrassed by their presence because you wish you didn't need them. And then as puberty begins progressing and you get closer to the senior year of high school when you know you need to leave, that nest can't look prickly anymore. It has to look uninhabitable. Otherwise, you would never fly. So the reason kids push us away is not because they don't like us. It's because they relate to us so intensely, and yet they know they have to become independent. So this is a process of them figuring out how to push away the things they love the most. It is insanity to fly from a comfortable nest. It is the biggest <laughs> developmental challenge of your lifetime. So you get ready for it by, here's the key word, Liz, promise you're listening. I swear I'm listening. Temporarily. Wonderful. Pushing your parents away, temporarily. And when you hover and you get all crazy and you get all angry, then it might be further distance. But your goal is to have an interdependent relationship ultimately. And when you honor their growing independence, when you don't take personally these slights sometimes, when they're standing on their own, they've stretched their wings, they're comfortable in their own skin, they come back to you for the kind of relationship you've always wanted. I think that's a great reminder that there's a long game here, that sometimes we're so caught up in the minute-to-minute -minute and day-to-day -day struggles of parenting that we forget that we've got a very long relationship ahead of us. And I love your point that the pushing away is temporary. But then to your other point, how do you think parents can deal with the natural response to feeling rejection when your teen is pushing you away? So... The first thing is understanding they're pushing you away because they love you. Why do you have to start there? Because you have to calm yourself, mm -hmm. right? You have to get calm. If you are reactive to everything that they are giving you, then you're going 
to not be so regulated yourself. And what you have to remember about adolescents is that they're deeply emotional. You know, that's the best stuff about them, right? They're exuberant, they're social, they feel things fully. These are wonderful things. But when a parent gets super emotional, when a parent gets super reactive, then the volume and the escalation just goes up. Mm. So the first thing is know where it comes from. The second is give yourself some space. If you're feeling angry or you're feeling frustrated, which I'll bet you feel that with some adults too, <laughs> this is part of human relationships. Sure. So when you have that feeling, you give yourself space and it's really okay to talk about it. So if your kid's name is Susie, it's okay to go, Susie, right now I'm feeling really angry and I'm not in my best place to talk and you wouldn't want to hear what I have to say. I'm going to go take a break. I'm going to go for a run. Then we're going to talk afterwards. When you do that, you set yourself up for a better communication later on and you're teaching them how to self-regulate. You're modeling being human. And that's a great thing. I love the reminder also. And we've talked about this many times with different guests on different kinds of topics that our kids are always watching and we are always modeling behavior. So I think it's good to remember that it's not just when it comes to tech or how we spend our free time or you know how we use our phones, but also just in terms of how we interact with one another in the home. And let's go a deeper dive, because if you're really talking about adolescents, you're wanting them to make wise behavioral choices. Mm. Everything you fear, Liz, everything we don't want our kids to do are things that make people feel better when they're stressed. Whether you're talking about alcohol, drugs, punching someone in the face, cutting, all of these things make you feel better. Every time you have a feeling or an emotion or a stress and you model how to react in a healthy way, reading a book, going for a run, talking to someone, praying, working on your sculpture, painting a painting. Every time you model that, you're actually teaching that child healthy stress management skills. I think that's a great segue to my next question, which is a lot of parents say that they are concerned about teens getting into these very risky behaviors and others. So what else can we do to stop it from happening? Or can we? Oh, yes, we can. So let's talk about that. So the first thing you have to remember is that the belief that teenagers are inherently risky is a myth. What teenagers are are super learners. This is the second major window in all of development. There's zero to three, and then there's the adolescent years, where you have to cram in so much knowledge into your brain to last a lifetime. Adolescents are super learners. Where does learning happen? It happens at the edges of existing knowledge. Mm -hmm. So Teenagers are not risk takers. They are natural experimenters. They're going to always test their limits. They're going to always expand their horizons. They're always going to go to the edge of existing knowledge. When we create golden opportunities at those edges, really enriching opportunities where they can have thrills in school, on the sports field, in communication, in theater, when we can create real opportunities there, then they are fulfilled. When it becomes risk is when they don't have the clear stop measures. We also have to keep kids safe. So we create thrilling, exciting opportunities so that they can experiment and stretch. And we create clear boundaries beyond which they cannot stray. And if it's about safety, the answer is no, because I care about you. So we create the boundaries and therefore we prevent the risk. But what you're never going to do and what you would never want to do is to shut down experimentation. Not if you want a smart 35-year-old. 
-hmm. Not if you want a smart 50-year-old, because now is the time they're cramming that knowledge in. We want them to have every experience they can. You know, I, I like that you brought that up because I live in New York City and my older daughter takes the subway around, as one should when they're almost in high school. And I've had parents, particularly out of the city, say, I can't believe you let her do that. What if she goes to the wrong stop? And I'm like, well, that that's how she learns to get to the right stop. <laughs> <laughs> like exactly. I'm getting that phone call from 125th Street where she's like, Mom, I went on the wrong train. And I'm like, turn around and come on back. And I feel like kids have so many tools these days to get in touch with us, to check their phones, to see where they're going, to ask helpful people on the subway platform more than we ever did as kids. And yet parents still seem so nervous to let their kids kind of take that next step into maturity to get out in the world. So it's our job to keep them safe, undoubtedly, right? But keeping someone safe really protecting them isn't about hovering. It's about preparing them. Keeping them really safe is about teaching them how to fall down and get back up. You know, it's cliche, but it's not how many times you fall down. It's just that there has to be one more time that you get up. And every time you get up, you cut up a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser. So we prepare them. I am sure that your kid was not five years old and you didn't go like, you know, here's a bus pass. Go see what happens, <laughs> right? You spent a lot of time showing them how to use the system, showing them how to use the maps, knowing how to go to people for support. You prepared them in many ways. I'm certain. I did. <laughs> and then when she was ready is when you let her navigate to subways on her own. Absolutely. And uh, thanks for giving me the benefit of the doubt there. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this is another question I hear all the time. I'm sure you hear it too. How do we find the balance between wanting our kids to succeed and stepping back and trusting that they will succeed, whether it's taking the subway or doing their homework right or anything at all? Yeah. So let's go back and define success. Can we do that? Please. Because what people do too often is they look at the child in front of them and then they narrowly define success. And they narrowly define success by is the kid happy right now and how are they doing in school? The first thing we got to do is we got to understand that we are building a 35-year-old. And when we understand we're building a 35-year-old, everything changes. Mm. Now happiness isn't about having a chocolate chip cookie, though that can be nice, you know. <laughs> but now happiness is about having a sense of meaning and purpose in your life. It's about having relationships. You want that 35-year-old to be committed to justice, to not avert their eyes to pain. You want them to be creative. You want them to be innovative. You want them to be collaborative. You want them to have grit, tenacity. You want them to be collaborative with other people to honor diversity. Success looks very different when you're imagining the 35-year-old. And success is something that is learned. And success is something that is learned by getting to know yourself. And we as human beings are uneven. You are talking right now to the most uneven human being on the planet. Like you may as well tell your audience, like I was scared of this Skype call, right? Like how do I handle <laughs> Skype, right? How do I do that, right? But you can give me a kid who's in a gang. You can give me a mother or a child in crisis and I can handle it. I can't change a tire. So I have AAA and I have Subaru help. I can't change a tire, but you know what? I can save your life, right? <laughs> People are uneven. And the way that folks learn and, and the people who are super successful are spiky. Mm -hmm. You're really, really good at something and you learn to forgive yourself for what you're not good at and you learn to compensate for what you're not good at, right? So how do you learn all that? By putting in the best effort you can, 
by paying attention to the results, by failing, by compensating as best as you can, by getting back up, and then by learning what you tend not to fail at, what you tend to have joy with, what you tend to lift other people up with. That's how you discover your spike. And that sometimes means we have to get out of the way to allow our kids to experiment, to put in effort, to see where they succeed, to see where they fail, to see where they need help. This isn't something we can do for them. You know, my mom has always said she believes there's no coincidences in life. And I think it's interesting that we are talking in the very week that there's been a huge scandal around university admissions and parents of great means using fraud and bribery and fake tax deductions and all kinds of craziness to get their kids into schools that they didn't merit acceptance. There's been so many incredible conversations without getting too far off topic about privilege and people of means and what they expect, but also this idea that parents just won't allow their kids to fail. Yeah, I don't think this is off topic at all, actually. I think two tragedies become apparent here. The first tragedy is a tragedy that exists, and that's inequity and injustice. This shines the light on the fact that the system is actually rigged for people who have greater privilege. Massively, massively And and, and that could be a great awakening. Yeah. But there's a second tragedy here. Our job as a parent is to launch kids into the world saying, I really like who you are. As you've struggled with thinking about your own identity, which is what adolescence is about, the one thing you could always rely on is that I see you, I got you, I like you. And the real tragedy here is not that the kids got into colleges that they didn't deserve in, that's an injustice. The tragedy is that these kids received a very powerful message, which is you weren't good enough the way you are. And that cheating was okay if it got you somewhere. And that is tragic for these kids. Yeah, we could do an entire episode on this. And actually, we may, (laughs) the more I think about it. But let me go back to the non-super privileged among us. (laughs) And some of the more general questions that we have. You know, we talked about risky behavior and setting boundaries and saying no and having punishments. But how do you get a teen to follow your rules when they won't. Okay, so first off, I never use the word punishments. Okay. And so let's start there. So adolescence is about having an increasing sense of control in your life. It's about stretching your limits. It's also about staying safe and your parents' job is to keep you safe, Mm -hmm. right? So we're talking about how we monitor kids. So the first thing is we're not going to use the word punishment. We're going to use the word discipline. What does discipline mean? It means to teach or to guide, ideally in a loving way. It doesn't mean to control. Oh, like disciple. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I'm learning something. I never thought about that before. That's wonderful. Absolutely. It's the same root as disciple. It means to teach or to guide in a loving way. What you're trying to do is have them develop their self-discipline. So I love discipline. I love parents who set boundaries. But when you set boundaries, they have to understand where the boundaries come from. And they come because you care, because you love, because you want to protect them, because you want to keep them safe. And those boundaries are not rigid. As you are able to expand your horizons, as you are able to handle more, those boundaries will also expand 
My job is to monitor you and to be in communication with you in partnership to figure out what you can handle at any given time. Mm. But there are some things that are not under negotiation because they will never be safe in any circumstance. So I will never find acceptable your driving and drinking or driving and texting or getting in a car with someone. There are certain absolutes, just like when your kid, you know, we started this conversation with talking about like, you know, cherishing little children. But you know what? When your children were little, you didn't let them put the hands on the stove, but you did let them knock over a sack of flour because you needed them to learn from experience not to knock over the sack of flour, but you could never let them uh, put their hand on their stove. In adolescence, it's the exact same thing. There are hand on the stove issues, and then there are sack of flour issues that we want them to learn from mistake, and we want to guide them. So do you have a perspective on what type of discipline is important or meaningful, or do you feel like parents kind of have to figure that out for themselves? Well, I think that there are guidelines, but what I don't know is anybody's child. So what I can tell you is if you're going to discipline, it's imperative that your child knows you do it from a place of love and caring. I can tell you that as a fact. I can't tell you what words to say precisely to your child. I can tell you that there have to be absolute rules around safety, but I don't live in your neighborhood. I don't know your child's particular group of friends. So what I'm not going to do is be directive and tell you exactly what to do. On our website for the Center of Parent and Teen Communication, we have a discipline plan. I think we actually call it uh, increasing privileges plan. And we give parents guidelines. But you know who else we give guidelines to? Who? The kids. Ah, yay. So it's not all on us. We also say (laughs) to the kids, hey, you know what? Your parents are going to invite you to a meeting to decide what privileges and freedoms you can handle and what rules they're going to put into place. This is great news for you because it means your parents want you to grow. Now, be smart about this meeting, right? Don't go in and demand things you can't handle because if you can't handle it, you're going to lose that privilege. Mm. So be smart, figure out what you can handle, tell them where you can handle and succeed because when you come back in three months, those boundaries are going to get stretched when you succeed. If you overshoot, those boundaries are going to get tighter because their job is to keep you safe. I think that's wonderful. And we'll make sure that we link up a lot of this information and the websites you're talking about on our podcast page on coolmompics.com so that everyone can find all these great resources you're talking about. But listen, let me ask you one more question. I I know you want us to get past the stereotypes of teens. And one of them is that teens speak in one-word answers, and then it's really hard to get them to open up. And Mm -hmm. knowing that communication is so important in any relationship, what are some ways that parents can do this a little better. There's so many answers to this. I don't have a one-liner for that. Um, Some teenagers are kind of monosyllabic, right? They're monosyllabic when you pick the time that you want them to talk. But when you really spend more of your time listening and your sensors are up for the times they want to talk, that same kid who's monosyllabic will actually often open up to you. But the key is that when they do open up, It's about how you react. Mm -hmm. Like if you turn on the parent alarm, like, mom, I met this girl. Well, you're too young to date. You shouldn't be thinking about that yet. (laughs) You're 14. If you turn on the parent alarm, the kid stops talking. Mm -hmm. Even if you over empathize, mom, I had this really, really big fight with Lisa and she was going to be my best friend and now I hate her. Well, I don't blame you. She's a little jerk and I hate her mother too, right? <laughs> when you over empathize mm-hmm. instead of listening, what happens 
is kids stop talking. Mm -hmm. Next, you got to know the right timing and how you talk about things. If you ask grilling questions that are about personal subjects, then you're actually entering territory that teenagers don't think parents have a right to be in. So if you begin saying, tell me about your friends, tell me about why you're wearing this. If you do that, kids don't answer. But kids love having their mind stretched. What do you think about this? What's your opinion? Mm -hmm. And teach me about this. I don't know what it's like out there right now. What's it like for young people? You put them in the driver's seat instead of the seat of being grilled, you're going to find a lot more than monosyllabic answers. And the other thing is go drive, walk down the street and notice things around you and talk about them. Because when your sentences don't begin with what are you doing, but they begin with what do you think is happening over there? You learn your child's opinions, you gain their wisdom and you learn all about them without being direct. And you're showing respect and that you place value in their ideas and thinking. Absolutely. And part of the reason it is so exciting is that your child's ability to think is expanding amazingly. You know, it's like adolescence is sometimes compared in a negative way to the two-year-olds, right? Mm. And that drives me crazy, of course, because you now know how I think. But there are ways in which adolescence is very much like a two and a three-year-old. Two and a three-year-old, it's all about the whys. Uh Why does this happen? Same with adolescence. Adolescents are beginning to see things in abstractions. They're beginning to understand how something they do is going to affect them in years and how something they do affects someone else's mood. They're beginning to understand this. It's a very exciting time. They can begin talking about values and about politics. They can talk about justice. They see things that we have learned to avert our eyes to, things that we have given up on or that we consider normal are intolerable to them. That's great. I think that's wonderful. To your original point about how teens are monosyllabic when you say, let's talk about whatever's going on in school right now. But that when you just talk in general, they will open up. I I feel like that's kind of like an old therapy trick and it works so well. Totally. It's the open-ended question. Yeah. You're just like looking at Instagram videos together. And the next thing you know, they're like, you know what this kid did in school today? It just comes out. (laughs) Exactly. And if you say, did you like school today? Then they can go, nah. But if you say what happened in school today, they can't go, nah. Right. right? It's a matter of the brilliant open-ended question. It's like therapy 101 oh, I'm, and I'm parenting guilty. 101. Except I don't get, nah, that's kind of long. <laughs> I usually say, how is school? Eh. <laughs> Sometimes eh is all I get. And then I realize it's time to pick up the conversation in a different way at a different time, probably over dinner. Exactly. <laughs> we could talk for hours. I'm going to have to have you back again because you are just a fount of information about something we don't talk about enough. And I just think your philosophy about honoring and respecting kids and treasuring this time is so special and unique. And I'm so grateful that you shared this with us. Thank you. I'd be honored to come back. You know, there are so many easy tools that we can teach that actually can strengthen family communication. Well, we'll be looking for them on your website. So I know for our listeners who are going to want to learn more, guaranteed, about Dr. Ken Ginsberg, they can find you at the websites parentandteen.com. They can also find you at fosteringresilience.com. And where else? Is there like a social media channel of choice that you like if people want to engage with you or ask questions? I would really start with uh, parentandteen.com. Okay. That is really cutting edge. We have social media 
media that stem out of parentandteen.com, and that is going to give you all of the information about how to really communicate with your child in a strength-based way, but in a way that recognizes the challenges. But it's going to also tell you how to guide your kid through challenges. And parentandteen.com, it's not just for parents. Just as we teach parents how to communicate with young people, we teach young people how to communicate with parents. Just as we teach parents how to raise their kids with resilience and stress management strategies, we have a whole interactive stress management tool for kids to learn that themselves. So that's the best starting point. I love that. That's terrific. And you know what? It takes a little bit of the onus off of us to know that teens can be an active part of building positive relationships as well. So listen, you're going to stick around for our cool picks of the week. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So we'll be back with that right after this. We are so excited to welcome back our sponsor, Circle. Now, we've been fans of Circle since it launched. In fact, we featured it in our Ultimate Digital Parenting Guide, and it is something that comes up very much as a popular gadget in our Out Tech Your Kids Facebook group. We know it's such a smart tool for parents to help give their kids independence and responsibility, which you know, if you've listened to Spawn, we're such huge fans of, but it also helps to provide guardrails, which we know kids need. Now, if you are not familiar with Circle yet, it is an award-winning way to manage your family's online time across all of their connected devices inside and outside of your home. What it does is help you filter what content you will want to allow, set limits for screen time, monitor history and usage, and you can actually reward your kids for good digital choices. Here's how it works. You plug the Circle Home Plus into your router download the app, and then you can keep track across every connected device. So that means laptops, phones, tablets, smart TVs, streaming devices, video game consoles, you get the idea, all from one handy place. And you might have heard of Circle before because it gets rave reviews from the Chicago Tribune, People Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and of course, Cool Mom Tech. Here's the deal. Right now, you, our listeners, get a limited time offer of $30 off a Circle Home Plus when you visit meetcircle.com slash coolmompicks and you enter Spawned at checkout. You get $30 off when you visit meetcircle.com slash coolmompicks and you enter Spawned at checkout. And like Liz mentioned before, if you are giving gadgets, devices this holiday season, Make sure you have a way to help keep track of what your kids are doing, monitor what's happening in your house, and you know what? It's a great way to help conversations about digital parenting. So that's meetcircle.com slash coolmompics and enter Spawned to save $30. So now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And Ken... As our guest, Dr. Ken, you get to go first. What's your cool pick of the week? So it's not really a pick of the week, um, but, you know, I've just spent half an hour with you, so you know I'm kind of a sensitive man, right? You are. I like talking about feelings. So I have this kind of, um, I got to tell you, I'm going to go with Jack from This Is Us. <gasps> um, that is a, what, what do you mean that's not a cool pick of the week? Well, okay, I it's a cool it. pick of the week, but it's a cool pick of the last two years. That's okay. You, you know why I love this guy? I love this guy because he is a fantastic parent. He's wonderful. He is loving. He listens to his children. He makes his children feel valued. He looks at all three of his children and he sees them all as individuals. But I'll tell you why he's like my man crush. Not because he's hot. No, not because he's hot. (laughs) 
Because I I would add that one in, but you know, you can have different reasons. So I'm totally cool with you saying that. (laughs) But the the reason for me is, is because it's not easy for him. The more you learn, the more you understand how complex this is for him, how hard he works to be the guy who we see. In the beginning, he just seemed like supernaturally good. And what you actually learn is that he had a hard, hard life and he earned the right to try to do better for the next generation. And that on a daily basis, he struggles with his own demons and still tries to figure out how to be the best father he could because that's real. Well, I think This Is Us in general is a terrific pick. I know we have listeners who've been meaning to get around to it or are still stuck on season one like me because we've been kind of busy on other stuff. So I think that's a a good kind of kick in the butt to turn it on and watch it and to pay close attention to Jack because he can teach us all things as parents. Great pick. I love that. So I'm going to go with something just completely random. I love supporting independent artists of all kinds. And this week, through my friend Hillary, on Instagram. I found this amazing feed. I don't know how I've never seen this before, but it's good type. It's simply instagram.com slash good type. And all it is is incredible feed of amazing typography and hand lettering and art direction to help you discover incredible artists. And I love it so much. Like I could spend hours just scrolling this feed, which I won't do because I don't have all those hours in the day. But if you go to instagram.com slash good type, you will just discover incredible artists and the kinds of stuff you want to reshare on Instagram, like quotes that are beautifully done. It's wonderful. It's vibrant. It supports indie artists and I find it inspiring and refreshing. And sometimes I just can't watch another cat video. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my cool pick of the week is good type on Instagram.com. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. And huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And of course, you know, we love hearing from you. So please leave us a review on iTunes. Many stars are good. More stars, the better. And make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. It really helps support us. And big news, as we mentioned earlier, we now have a Spawn podcast community on Facebook. You can find it through the link on the Cool Mom Picks Facebook page or just go into Facebook. You know where it is. We know you're there all the time. And search Spawned Podcast Community. It'll pop right up. We'd love to have you join us to chat about everything we talk about here and anything else you want to chat about. Thanks so much for listening to Spawned. This is Liz. Kristen will be back next week. Have a great day.